0: Welcome to Digest & Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effects on the markets. This podcast is for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you're prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now onto the podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Dylan Holman and joining me is seasoned trader Henry Ward, who has over 10 years in the markets. Hello everyone, how are you? Podcast has a simple format which will see us talking about the top three financial stories in the news. This week we're looking at the S&P 500, Zoom and Royal Dutch Shell. First things first though, Henry, how's your week been?
1: Someone who is um, 60% of the portfolio of stocks, so it hasn't been a good week for <laughs> stocks. <laughs> we have had a, a pullback across the board, across everything. So um, that's been a, a pretty big retracement. Anyone who has been trading crypto has been pretty much treading water at the present moment. But we have, had seen, we have seen a little bit of a dollar strength over the last couple of days, non-farm payroll, Come out. Yes, the numbers were still bad, but they were better than expected. So what happens then is traders um, trade the likes of that.
0: Well, let's start with topic one then, which is the S&P 500. As you say, it's been an interesting week at best, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's something that we talked about a few weeks ago now, but what's happened since then?
1: Well, a couple of weeks is a long time in, in trading terms. Um, and as, as we can see that the S&P has followed sort of what the NASDAQ has done. It's gone on, it's now made record highs. Now, since then, we've, had, we've seen a, a big pullback. We've had two, two and a half massive red days, so, which means that it's pulled back and it's, the market has had a, a little bit of a correction. Now, one of the things that people talk about here is whether this is a correction, whether this is a crash, whether it is should we now be jumping out of our trades is the amount of the amount of of my friends who have now jumped into the market because of trading, and in one in particular is like henry look yes i 'm up twelve hundred quid on uh, was it, about four grand invested then he texts me a couple of days ago henry i 'm down to eight hundred I got a text message yesterday it 's down to five hundred you will learn how to manage the likes of these pullbacks
0: um, and then go from there. Talking of this pullback, dare I say it, do you think that this is the start of a crash?
1: <laughs> Dylan, I, I massively, I knew you were going to ask that question. I, <laughs> I, I hate, I hate that word. That—that That is something that I massively, massively, people talk about crash this, crash that, crash the other. You know what I mean? The market doesn't crash. The market has a correction. The market has a pullback. Now, anyone who has done of my courses, they know it's it's actually a phase two. We are expecting it. Anyone who was on any of the webinars on the last Tuesday or Tuesday before, we actually have a horizontal level on the S&P that I was looking for to come back. Now, I wanted to come back three or four days ago. But it has now come back to that area. So to me, this is not a crash. The market never crashes. Uh, a crash is what happened when the Twin Towers or coronavirus—that's that's a market crash. That is when the market literally does something that is unexpected. Now the likes of this, this is not a crash. This is something that is massively expected and was something that we needed to happen.
0: When we're discussing about when you should actually start investing into a a new stock or whatever it happens to be, you're always saying you need to wait until there's a pullback. Well, there's a pullback now on the S&P 500. So is it a time people should look at it and potentially invest?
1: Well, see, the way I look at this this is this is time to go shopping. This is, this is, this is, there's a flash sale on. This is when we should now be going out in our shopping basket now and I'll have a bit of this, I'll have a bit of that. And this is, this is what's going on. We now have a a sale going on. We will talk about Zoom a little bit later on and and the pullback that that's after happening. But the likes of the S&P has come back to a level. Now, the level that we talked about was at about 3,400. Now, That was the previous resistance. So that was where it hit its head and the market dropped. And now from the the coronavirus, from the correction of the markets, it dropped. And now we're at a record high. And what's happened is now pull back to that area. And this now is support at the present moment. Now, it may hold it or it may come down a little bit further. Now, if it holds that level, it is definitely something that I am looking I'm looking to have a look at. Now, then the question, the big question goes, do I trade the underlying asset or do I buy the CFD at that particular
0: point? But it's worth making sure that it has settled down and it's not going to drop further before investing, would you say?
1: Yep. But see, the idea of that is that you, you can place a pending order. Okay, so a pending order, uh, the way I do it is I generally put a pending order just above the last bar. Now, we all know uh, Monday was a holiday in the US, so which means the markets were were pretty flat yesterday. So when today's bar is finished, I would put an order on the above of today's bar. So if the market continues dropping, I generally don't get triggered into the market. So the idea is, is that then I would bring my entry down on top of the next bar. So when the market turns, I'm actually have my order, there set for it. But also that is the big question, whether you want to buy a CFD at that point or you want to buy the underlying asset. If you buy the underlying asset, it really makes no difference when you buy it because the idea is if you hold on to it, it will eventually make higher highs. But with a CFD, you have to get your entry point correctly. Now, the, the thing with the, with the S&P is that you, you can't buy the underlying asset you have to buy an etf now the etf that you can buy on the s p is the spy and that's one of the etfs that you can you can go out and buy which is a basket of stocks put together uh, and trade it as the s p and that's the etf and that's how we would buy the underlying asset whereas if we want to trade the s spx it means that we have to trade on the cft so we have a really really nice level there it's something that is massively on my radar and I may or may not take the S&P. I may take some stocks that are in it. I have a couple of decisions to make whether I buy the underlying asset, whether I buy the S&P itself as a CFD or whether I jump into the stocks and buy them.
0: Yeah. And as you say, there's never any certainties in trading or investing. And so always try to reduce your risk where possible. Um, And so could potentially be a fantastic time to get into the markets. But with anything, there's also an element of risk.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like anything. Anyone who's done my courses and I've been harping on her from day one is that even on the on the podcast here, that if you're looking to trade, I only ever risk 1% of my capital which means then, theoretically, I have 99% of my capital left if this trade goes wrong for me, which means then I'm in a position where I can rectify it, I can buy back at a cheaper rate, or I can then particularly short the market. If I now think it's after breaking that level, and I think the next level is maybe another 200 or 300 pips away, I could then short the market down to that next level. So we are talking about shorter timeframes here on this if we're shorting the market, but... This is something that is on my radar hugely, and I am looking for the next bullish day. And if, if that happens, then I will be looking around with, the, with my shopping trolley um, and going shopping, yes.
0: Okay, great. Well, let's move on to topic two then, which is Zoom. Now, Zoom's had a great year. It's up around 600% year to date. And it seems to be kind of the go-to platform for conferencing, meetings, etc. during lockdown. I mean, even us recording this podcast is done using Zoom. So why has Zoom been able to jump ahead of the rest?
1: now zoom has had a great year it's just gone on from strength to strength but the main reason this is be one it is just so simple to use it's literally you download the app and you're you're good to go and the second big um plus for zoom is that zoom can have up to 100 people on the screen at any one time so you can actually see people's faces so when that when they were looking for when they were looking for platforms where you can actually talk to people everyone wants to see everyone um whether they're, whether they're here, whether they're not, they want, they want to be able to see people's faces. And Zoom was brought to the forefront of that. And that's what propelled them ahead of the, the rest of the pack. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of, there's a lot of them out there.
0: We've all been sat at home now for a while working from home and um, not being allowed into the office on the whole. So I can understand why Zoom would have had really positive results in the first few months of lockdown. However, we're now into August, things are starting to open up again. How has August been an unbelievable month yet again for Zoom? Yeah, Zoom.
1: Zoom has had an incredible month. it has jumped 52 percent from the 13th of August to the end of August. That is that is a huge jump in in just the space of what's that, 13 or 14 days. Now it all comes down to numbers. Now Zoom's revenue skyrocketed 355 percent year on year to 663.5 million. Now that's crushing Wall Street's estimation of revenue, which was about 500 million now that's 163 million above expected now for any company to do that that is that is a huge amount of money over what was expected and even even wall street got a massive wrong so that's a 30% rise now and that's the big reason why zoom has just had such a really really good august now if we have a look at it and into a little more detail we have over 370,000 customers that have more than 10 employees now Now, that's representing a stunning year-on-year growth for Zoom of 458%. Now, if that was to continue... What, what, what numbers will this go to by the end of the year, the end of next year, so on and so forth. So the numbers, the numbers coming from Zoom is absolutely phenomenal at the minute.
0: Yeah, absolutely incredible numbers. It's interesting. What I've just uh, read about is that um, Zoom have done a partnership with Formula One where obviously no spectators are allowed in circuit at F1 races. And so, what they're doing instead of VIP hospitality is that they're using Zoom to put kind of your VIP spectators in touch with sort of drivers ahead of races and kind of getting a behind the scenes look at the paddock and kind of the the pit stops, etc. From a slightly different angle, it's like quite a nice little partnership. And only you know companies like Zoom can actually bring that to these uh, these high net worth fans.
1: Yeah, but that's 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 the way of moving forward now through the through the great lockdown is that everyone wants to do stuff, but. Everyone has that little bit of fear of going anywhere and um, for instance uh, i was thinking about going to the the cinema and chatting to the missus and it's, no it, it, no, we can't go it's just too many people it's too enclosed and all of a sudden then the fear kicks in the same with the likes of the F1 if you went to the paddock if you were there went into the stand you look around and it's packed all of a sudden you get that little bit of fear in you whereas the likes of the Zoom coming in it actually brings people you feel like you're there you're enjoying it again now it's nowhere near as good as something in real life but it actually gives you that little bit of warmth warmth your heart that yeah it feels like you're there and, and it's something that zoom can can only expand on i can see zoom not not continuing in our lives it's made things so much easier it's made things so much more cost efficient yeah it, it's brilliant things like this is is very very good for us moving forward not only in sort of lockdown but moving forward into the next years to come
0: it feels like most people know about zoom now or and are using it so I can see why the numbers would be unbelievable to date but moving forward do you expect these numbers to keep growing or is there going to be a plateau at some point
1: Well see, it it literally comes down to how zoom grow okay so that is one of the biggest biggest things once we see a company that has grown so quickly it's trying to get those foundations in place and I've I've, I've covered this a couple of times on the on the podcasts once those foundations are in then you can build on top of that. But what a lot of these companies, when they have such rapid growth, the foundations haven't been put in correctly, and all of a sudden, they start trying to underpin the foundation before they actually topple over, flat plateau, have a massive drop, and then they rectify these issues, and then they slowly grow again. Now, with the likes of Zoom, they seem to be pushing that infrastructure into place. They have, they have jumped up the ranking in their in their market cap, and um, uh, now I, I myself missed out on that fifty six percent jump and we can see that it went up to a $477. So that was the high. So we've had a pullback now down to about $350. Now for me, once you look into their, their revenue and what they're looking to do, they're looking to see a massive, massive growth year on year. And this is one of the things with, with the likes of Zoom. Once you look into it, you can see them hitting their year, their year on year target. And if they hit their year on target, for me, that will mean they will surpass the the previous highs. So I'm looking to jump in at around $350 when the market opens up. I'll be into it, which will be, I'll be buying the underlying asset rather than the CFD. Now why I'll be buying the the underlying asset is because if it drops down a little bit further, it really makes no difference because I'm looking at this for the end of year or Q1 next year, or Q2 next year, to potentially come out of this or hold on to this long term.
0: Yeah, they've been one of the real success stories of this kind of lockdown period. Um, And now everyone knows about them, has got used to using the platform. I can only see it being uh, something that's being used more and more moving forward. Okay, well, let's move on to topic three then, which is rural Dutch Shell. Now, it's a strange one, because oil seems to be going up in price a barrel, Yet oil companies such as Royal Dutch Shell seem to be declining in value. Why would this be? It's
1: one of these things that we have oil which has, has gone up. It's gone up to about $42 a barrel. I know it's come down a little bit over the last day or two, but it went up to about $42 a barrel or $43 a barrel. And But the problem is, is that this is because of production cutbacks. So what the companies have done is they've come together and have said they're going to stop producing oil so that the price of oil goes up. But that means then they are not producing the oil, which means there is not enough demand for it out there, which means then in turn, the revenue that they're generating is less. Yes, the cost of each barrel has now gone from, say, $10 a barrel now up to $42 a barrel, which is is 30% more than they were at the low. But the difference is, is they're not selling anywhere near as much as they should be. And that is one of the big reasons it's down to supply and demand. That's why the likes of Royal Dutch Shell hasn't been doing very well, even though the likes of oil has slowly risen over the last couple of weeks and months.
0: The aviation industry is obviously still having a difficult time with various countries having to be quarantined if you go there and come back to the UK. Now, how much of an effect is that having on the oil industry versus other sectors?
1: A lot of people talk about the aviation industry being being in decline and not being uh, the demand there not being very big, but yes, it has had an effect as in as in all sectors all sectors are down so they've had they've had a big effect on it as well but aviation is only the fourth biggest sector out there now the, the aviation is is five times smaller than the biggest sector, and the biggest sector is roads okay so if we look into the stats here in britain alone that from the from the amount of people that's on the road now at this present moment in time is down 30 percent than the people on the road before lockdown which means that there's a huge drop in the likes of people that demand using the likes of cars now the next biggest sector is petrochemicals now that has had a small pullback Uh, now not not a massive recession in less than less than 10 percent um but the thing about this is is that every single sector across the board has seen uh, a shrinkage of the use of the oil which means then that therefore is affecting the likes of the companies who are actually
0: producing this so we've talked about oil and the price of a barrel etc but how has shell shares fared specifically
1: shell hasn't been doing great it bounced off to 1500 as the high and then when the the low is about 889 dollars. so that's it's it's between those two prices now, the price itself at the present moment is about a, at a thousand. So it means that we're at the lower end of this. Now, once we look into it, that the supply of oil has is, is been out there is, is not the demand is not there. So which means then the likes of Shell are not producing the barrels of oil, which means then we'd expect this to hit this low of the 889. Now, whether that is a good place to actually buy it again who knows? Or whether this is going to recover and bounce back up to $1,500 or £1,500 a share. Again, we're, we're expecting it between the bounce between those two levels. I can't see a breakout of those two levels in the near future, um, in the next three or
0: four months. We you know over recent years that oil seems to have a bit of a, a cyclical nature where it goes down in value, then it pops back up. I remember in 2016 when crude fell, I think it was around the $30 a barrel mark but then it's obviously bounced back since. So do you think that this could be a nice little pullback for oil where it's actually a good time to get in or is it still too early to see?
1: As you know, and as I talked about here, I already have um, long positions on oil. I don't have an on shell. I have them on the likes of Oxy, um, but they're literally all the companies in the oil sector are doing the very, very same thing. They're getting They're getting very, very close to the low. Now, if it gets back down to the low, it is something that I will, I will look to scale into my position. I'd be looking to get in. Now, so there's one of two things that could happen when it, if it hits that low. And I, I do expect it to hit that low again because there's, there's no real good news as of at the, at the present moment coming out on the likes of any of these oil stocks. So if it comes to the low, I would look to potentially scale in. But then if it breaks that low, what I may do is I may take a short position Um, with leverage to hedge the trades that are long, which means then any money that I'm losing in my long positions, I'm winning on my short positions, which means then I'm not winning or losing any money. What I'm doing is staying flat. And then when it actually turns around, then slowly go from there. Because if we look at 2016, as an example, we saw that price dropped down quite low down to 30 dollars a barrel and then it slowly went back up so anyone who'd invested in any of the stocks in, in the oil companies back then would have been paid off handsomely with the, the the money they've made now so it depends on your outlook if you're a short-term trader then you actually if it gets to the lows there's a potential buy there if it breaks those lows there is a potential short on a cfd but then you have the long-term traders so if you're a long-term trader we do see the outcome of, of oil and the likes of these oil companies getting stronger. They can survive sitting through this, this lull, this down period. If they have enough money in the, in the bank to actually sit through all this, we do expect the likes of these companies to recover long term because at the end of the day, have we got anything out there to replace oil at the present moment?
0: Uh, I guess Elon Musk is trying his hardest to come up with a replacement, but uh, nothing's that accessible at the moment. I know Elon
1: is trying his best. He's building um, electric electric um, lorries and electric airplanes, and I know Bill Gates has come out and said this will never happen, but I, I do think it will, but it, it's not going to happen in the next five to ten years, which means then that that gives us a huge window to actually start up with using oil again. Now. There is no substitution for this at the present moment. Oil is used in amounts of everyday products is unbelievable. So I do expect this to continue and I expect this to get stronger, but it depends. We may be in the red or maybe sitting in the red, for three to six months or even a year before this finally turns around but i do expect this to to go up but it is one of these ones is that it's a very very long-term trade so it comes down to you as a trader how long you're looking to tie your money up
0: great well that's it for this week's three topics is there anything else that you think people should be keeping an eye on
1: no for me this week is all about the stock market it's about trying to catch that bounce, trying to catch the area where it is looking to turn around for me at the present moment. Um, I have a my eye on a couple of CFD trades with the likes of Zoom, the likes of Nvidia, the likes of DocuSign, the likes of Apple, the likes of Tesla, uh, all all on the tech companies potentially looking for them to bounce. Um, With CFDs, or if they're not back on any support level, they have to be on a support level. That is absolutely 100% the key to trading CFDs. It has to be on that floor. So we have to have a support level for them to bounce. And if we get one of those support levels, I'll take on a CFD. If not, I will then potentially scale into my positions on the underlying asset.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks to everyone for listening to this week's podcast. You can learn more about the markets on Henry's weekly webinar. You can find this by typing in etoro trading school on google and it should pop up there nicely for you apart from that thanks very much
1: thanks very much everyone bye-bye
0: you've been listening to digest and invest by etoro for more information visit etoro.com